Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. This is part of uh, our lead up to the New Testament in 90 days, because after, um, after Collide Weekend on the Monday, like a week from tomorrow, we start reading the New Testament together. And I want to tell you a, a couple things about that. Number one, we do have cards now in the back. They were printed last week, but we don't want to give them to you too soon because you'd lose them. Of course you would. Also, uh, next week, uh, well, let me, let me just complete the card thing. Um, these are for regular people. Everybody, look. These are for, it's got the reading schedule on the back, New Testament. These are for folks whose eyes may need a little bit more help. Large print version. A couple of you, this qualifies, okay? So I just want you to see that this is for you. If you can read this one, please don't take this one. But if you need this one, this one is for you. It's back there that much, I promise, okay? Um, also, I want to say without uh, like pulling the pastor card or trying to baptize this in some way that's not true, um, boy, the past couple of years have been crazy. I, I think, I mean, like in my gut, I think uh, that our, the, the experience of our 2022 is going to be tied to our willingness to engage as a church family. So I'm inviting. I'm not going to cajole. We won't guilt you. I won't put you in a headlock and give you noogies or anything. Like, I think God wants to do something in us, and he's going to do it through stuff like this. And you say, well, I can't read that fast or that fast. Listen, even if you join late, just jump in. On, on su- every Sunday, built into the reading schedule, um, Sunday is a, uh, a day that if you need to, you can catch up. It's three or four chapters a day. And man, I just think God's going to shape our 2022 if you will engage. This will take us up to Easter, and I think God is going to do some pretty incredible things. Next week, we'll have a QR code on the screen. You can click uh, the little thing um, and sign up for an email. The email blast will go out Sunday night and say, hey, here's the reading schedule for the week. Um, here's the, uh, we actually have linked to, anybody heard of, heard of the Bible Project? Anybody? Six of you, okay. And uh, so the Bible Project is a, is a great little thing where uh, they make cool videos, really cool videos. Uh, it's not nerdy stuff. I mean, it's really awesome. Cool videos that kind of give an overview. And so if you've never engaged, for instance, the book of Galatians, there'll be an overview, a link to a video, six-minute video, and it'll give you an overview of the book of Galatians so you kind of understand what's going on. Uh, that QR code will be available next week. Um, we didn't want you to sign up and then forget that you signed up and then go, what's it? Okay, so we're doing all that together next week. Um, we have printed cards and, uh, man, I'm just excited about where this could go. So, uh, in, in Psalm, uh, 19, we'll turn, uh, if you have already turned there, fantastic, but I wanted to, um, get a little help here. So K fighter, can you come up here? Come on, my man. Everybody, this is Keegan. Everybody say, Hey, four people clap for you. I'm not sure. Did you pay them? No. Okay. John, we good? All right. You ever held a microphone before? You're thinking about it? It's okay. All right, so the only thing is I just need you to talk into it, okay? Everybody, tell everybody your name. My name is Keegan. This is Keegan, everybody. I texted his mom and dad to make sure this was okay before we got it. Okay, what do I have here, bud? Talk into the microphone tell them. One dollar. One dollar. Can you tell me about this? Okay, what else? 
Describe it for them. Some of them are old. They can't really see. That's why we give them the large print version. You want to look at the back, too? Has the bald eagle on the back? Oh, cool. Yeah. What's it made out of? Here, you want to hold it? What's it made out of? Paper, yeah, okay, that sounds good to me. Um, no, no, you can hold on to it for a second. Um, uh, do you know where it comes from? Maybe the United States of America? That's true. They print it at a place called the Mint. And uh, if you print a lot of them, then you get inflation. <laughs> cool, huh? Do you, have, do you have any idea why they're laughing? Me neither. They're just being silly. Okay. Do you, what, like, what can you buy with that right there? He's thinking. Can you buy new basketball shoes with that? No. no. Can you buy a piece of candy? Probably. Yeah, probably so. Okay. Um, so he, he, here's the deal. It has a certain value. It came from a certain place. All of that's true. And you've, you've described it, talked about paper and what's on it, all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to give it to you for being such an awesome volunteer. That's your, you're welcome. All right. Thanks, man. Psalm 19. You ready? I want you to hold on to that little experience right there. Because we're going to talk about the words that he used, some of the words that he used. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving, or some of you may have, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. We're going to pause right there. We'll pick up some more here in just a second. But I want to, I want to start by saying let, let's talk about the nature of the Scriptures. As we've um, kind of prepared ourselves for uh, the New Testament in 90 days, we've been talking last week, we talked about kind of what the Bible is. Uh, this, uh, today I want to talk about kind of the nature and value uh, of the Scriptures. And then next week uh, we'll do one more sermon as we jump into the New Testament in 90 days. Let's talk today about its nature. And I want to use this passage and let the words that are here and the words that Keegan said for us, um, I, I, want it, I want that to kind of shape the way that we think about it, okay? And here we go. We're going to start in verse 7. The law of the Lord. You see the description. The law of the Lord. That word, Hebrew word is Torah. means teaching. Um, and so the, the idea, uh, law, don't think of like a, a, um, a something that gets passed by a legislative body. Uh, th- think instead of like teaching, like something that's... It's meant for us to understand, okay? The law of the Lord. That, that's one way uh, it describes it there. 
And the second one, testimony, the testimony of the Lord. You see that? The testimony of the Lord. And um, so what, what that's telling us is if we want to hear from God, then we can hear from God because this is the testimony of the Lord. If we want to know who God is, then we can know who God is because this is the testimony um, of the Lord. If we want a picture of, of what God is like, we can see what God is like because this is the testimony of, of what God is like. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord. So there are things that we can live according to and should live according to. That's the next phrase, the commandment. Precepts of the Lord, commandment um, of the Lord. So not only can we live according to them and how the world works, because that's basically what a precept is, is something that uh, describes how uh, things are in play, like how things are actually function. And then commandment of the Lord is, okay, we should live according to this. In light of that, verse nine, the fear of the Lord. Do you see that in verse nine? The fear of the Lord. Um, people say, oh, well, that's, that's a strange way to describe this. No, 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 it's not. Because when we talk about the fear of the Lord, twice actually in uh, the book of Proverbs, in chapter one, verse seven, and chapter nine, verse 10, twice. Uh, and then it's kind of all carried in, in the New Testament, but twice. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, does anybody know how it ends? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom. So if you and I want to live a life that, that makes sense and that works, then we need to live a life rooted in this because the fear of the Lord, our response to what God has said here, how he has revealed himself here, the stories that he's telling about himself here, that is the way of wisdom. And then lastly, the rules of the Lord are true. And when you think, um, when you think rules, think like this is, we'll describe this in just a second, but think like there is a good way for us, a path for us. This, this is how the Bible describes itself, but there's more. Um, it, it's, it's not simply, um, paper with green ink, right? There are attributes about it. Uh, in the little thing here with K fighter, like there's a picture and some, an Eagle and some other stuff on there. And he, here, here are the attributes as this, the law of the Lord is what's it say? It's perfect or blameless. It's perfect. It is, uh, the testimony of the Lord is sure. There's, there is a certainty to it. The precepts of the Lord are right. Now, church family, there are times when, um, in, in fact, you hear it, I hear it in people's language. And you'll be in conversation or somebody will be in conversation, you'll overhear it and they'll say, well, I feel like da 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 and they'll kind of complete their sentence. And uh, what they really mean is that they think that this is the case, but they're saying feel. Here's the problem is that when we, when we substitute feeling and thinking, we can really get out of whack. Yes? The way that we talk about it around here is uh, feelings. Feelings, emotions, they are, they are terrific. They are great companions, and they are terrible guides. So if, if we think... Um, if we feel uh, that something else is right, well, we, we have something. Uh, our, our emotions can come underneath the authority of God's word because that is what is right. The precepts of the Lord are right. The, the things that ought to be, as he describes them, this is the way that it really ought to be. They are right. And we, we can submit and should submit to that. Uh, the commandment of the Lord is pure. Do you see that? It's, it's pure. Um, there, there, is, there is no mix of uh, craziness in here. It's pure. This is how 
this is how uh, the, the Bible talks about this. Last one, uh, the second phrase of verse 9, the rules of the Lord are, are true. And then lastly, um, under this nature part, I, I, I just don't want to skip past this because the, the, the psalmist was really clear about this. Um, it's origin. The law, look at the text, the law of the Lord. The testimony of the Lord. The precepts of the Lord. The commandment of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The rules of the Lord. Does, is anybody catching maybe the repetition here? Where is this coming from? It's coming from the Lord. So what I'm telling you, church family, is, listen, like there are uh, things that we can read um, and, and they're good for us to read. There are, there are stories that we need to hear. All of that's true. When we want to hear the voice of God, this is where we go. You can wake up tomorrow and God can speak to you. Why? Because this is of the Lord. It is of the Lord. Last week, we talked about this from 2 Timothy um, chapter 3, verse 16. Listen, all scripture, how much of it, by the way? All of it. Even the parts I don't understand, is that part of all? Yes. Even the parts I don't necessarily like, is that part of all? Yes. All scripture is inspired by God. In other words, it is breathed out by God. What we have in front of us is the breathed out word of God. That's what we have. It is of the Lord. And because it is of the Lord, um, the, the, uh, Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 8, says it this way. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But what do we know? That the word of the Lord endures forever. There's a reason why we're reading a thousand plus, a couple of thousand year old document. Why? Because the word of the Lord endures forever. It is still good for us. It is still wisdom for us. It is still the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the rules of the Lord. It is God's word to us and it will endure forever. Long after philosophy has gone away, long after this line of thinking has gone away, long after this trial is over, long after pandemic has ceased, the the word of the Lord will stand forever. You want to root yourself on something that lasts. Let's root yourself on this. It, it is also finally, and I would just say, because it is of the Lord, it is the, the certainty, the certainty, the certainty of, of, um, of God's word in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. Everyone. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to question. You don't have to wonder. Every word, every single word of God proves true. God, God through his word, is inviting us to believe and experience and be a part of who he is and what he's doing in the world. That is the nature of the word of God to us. He speaks. Uh, one more time, we said this last week. It's kind of where we closed last week, but I don't, I don't want to... Um, as much as we may look into these pages, God himself looks back at us from these pages. He wants to speak to his people, and this is how he speaks. The law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord are right. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Fear of the Lord is clean. Rules of the Lord are true. Okay, so 
um, how, how does that play out? It's effects. Like, what, what are the effects here? In the, uh, the second part of every phrase, I want you to say, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. You remember um, maybe six or seven years ago now where the, the like, it didn't rain forever? Um, so some of us can't remember because Harvey happened and it rained forever. It rained forever. That's what it felt like. But like, didn't rain forever. And in, you, in your yard, I mean, there were cracks and there were foundation questions. And, you know, those cracks uh, showed up. That was kind of, oh, it's bad. And then water rationing. And then the cracks got bigger. And then the cracks got bigger. And then one of your kids like fell in the crack. You're like, come back. And then finally it rained. And everything kind of healed. This, this is the description. This is the way. This is the way that it talks uh, about what God's word and its effect on our lives. It revives the soul. Some, some of you, some of you are at the point where the cracks are there and widening and widening and widening. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And you may think, well, listen, uh, I picked it up and I read it and the cracks are still there, pal. You, you don't just like engage the words, you engage the God who speaks in these words, but also more than that, like you get up tomorrow and do it and then you get up the next day, you do it and you do. And guess what? What you find is the rain really does come. The soul really is revived. Secondly, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, making wise the simple. Some people get to the point where they're like, I've got to make a decision. I either go A or I go B. I go left or I go right. And so uh, they're, they're at that point and they're like, okay, God, I'm going to open your Bible. I'm going to say, okay, which way do I go? And there are times when God can do that. But here's the bigger thing. And this is really what he's after. When he talks about making wise the simple, he's not just saying, hey, go this way and not that way. Although there are points where he certainly does that. Um, more than that, he wants to make you the kind of person who knows which way to go. Do you understand the difference? Well, one is a simple, okay, God, uh, you're going to give me direction. Off I go. The other is I'm the kind of person who knows what God wants. This is what God is doing. He is making the uh, simple people who are simple. He is making them wise. There is a transformational effect when we spend time in the word of God. It shapes us so much so that Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 says this, that we actually take on the character of Jesus. We become righteous. We become good. We become true. We become these things. There is a transformational effect. And here he's talking about we become people who are wise. Not just clarity, but wise. Uh, thirdly, rejoicing the heart. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. Rejoicing the heart. Because the word of God has commandments in it. Some people say, dude, God, you're such a killjoy. Like you're the party pooper on a cosmic scale. Here I am having a good time and you just. Pfft. If you have that picture in your mind, I want to invite you to pick the Bible up and really read it. Because what God 
does through the scriptures and what he does through his commandments and what he does through his calling and what he offers through his invitation is a life that can be marked by a resident joy. There is a joy that nobody takes away. There is a joy that lasts through trial. There is a joy that is um, there even when things go crazy. There is a joy even there when it feels lonely. There is a joy that's there even when it feels hard. There is a joy that is residual. It's residential. It just t- This is what God is after. He's after your joy. He gives us these things for our joy. I'll give you a couple of, uh, let me give you one from the Old Testament. See if you recognize this. This is from Psalm 119, verses 44 and 45. I will keep your law, it says. I will keep your law forever and ever. And I shall walk about in a really narrow place because you're a killjoy and want to put me in chains, right? I shall walk about in what? What's it say? A wide place. Can you picture like a big grassy meadow? And you're just like, this is my place. This is my acreage. This is what God is inviting me to. This is the kind of life I can live. I will keep your law forever and I will walk about in a wide place. Why? For I have sought your precepts. So God, I understand what you want of me. And I'm going yes to that. I'm saying yes to that. I'm surrendering to that. And the result is not some really constrained life that's drudgery until heaven and finally golden streets. The result is a wide place. It's a place of freedom. And maybe Psalm 119, maybe you didn't know that one, 44 and 45 there. Maybe you know this one, Jesus. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and your life will be drudgery from then on. Your life will be, man, just nobody will actually want to be around you, but man, you're committed. Good for you. No, what's it say? You will know the truth and the truth will, it will set you free. It will set you free. So when Jesus comes along and he says crazy stuff like, hey, if you really want to be my disciple, um, lay your life down, take up your cross, follow me. When he says those kinds of crazy things, it's an invitation, a life that you can live, but it's the life of freedom. When he says things like, hey, listen, uh, you need to love me more than mother, father, sister, brother, even your own wife, even your own kids, like all of those things, love me more than these things. That is an invitation to a life that you can live. And that life is the life of freedom. When he says, rejoicing the heart, what he's after in his word to us is your joy. Thirdly, or excuse me, fourthly, um, at, at the end of verse 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Enlightening the eyes. There's a um, story in 1 Samuel chapter 14. Jonathan, the son of Saul, has been fighting bad guys all day, and he comes across a... a um, some uh, honey, uh, and, he, and he takes the honey and he eats it, and it says that his eyes were brightened. Anybody ever had that moment where, dude, you're, you're so hungry? Like, you're just like, dude, I, I gotta have something to eat. And it doesn't really even matter what it is. Like, you could have like a banana or whatever, and you're like, oh, finally, I'm better here, and your eyes are brightened. This is the kind of thing. It's the same exact phrase here that God somehow, in some way, feeds us. And our eyes are brightened. We are, are, it gives enlightenment um, to our eyes. That's its effect. Now skip down to verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. This is the value. This is the value that he's setting before us here. It is better than gold. 
It is better than that. Um, our world is full of uh, the shinier, the newer, the faster, the better, the quicker, the what, more efficient, the whatever. You just pick your favorite thing. And the testimony of the scripture about itself is this is better than all of that. All of those materialistic things that are in us or want to come out of us, or the, like the scripture is better than all of that. The word of the Lord is better than all of that. And then secondly, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Because some people come along and they say, oh, well, look, man, it's not materialism. That's my problem. It's hedonism. Like, <laughs> and honey is sweeter than honey. It's, it's better than honey. Better than even the freshest of the fresh. The drippings right out of the honeycomb. They stole it right from the bees. It's better than all that. And then it says, moreover, by them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So there's both warning and reward. Now, when the Bible says warning, it's not playing. Okay? So I... Like, you've had this experience. This, this drives me crazy. It has nothing to do with the people who are actually working. But, like, you're driving down some highway somewhere, and all of a sudden you go from three lanes to one lane, construction ahead. They've got uh, cones and, and the big barrels everywhere and the big flashing signs, and nobody is out there doing any kind of work. Anybody with me on this? And you're driving through thinking, I'm behind an 18-wheeler catching who knows what on my windshield. And nobody is over there doing, like this is a construction zone. I would love to see some construction. Oh, this is a work zone. Will somebody please work? Maybe it's just me. I don't know this. The Bible doesn't warn us like that. When it puts up a sign that's flashing and says, man, you better be careful here. You better be thoughtful here. You can be sure that the cones are there for a reason. That there really is a big shoulder drop off. That men really are at work. You, you can be sure about that. But not just that reward. Hey, when your life aligns with the word, things will go better. It won't necessarily go the way that you think it should go. You won't actually get necessarily get the reward that you hoped you would get. But... Your life, you, there is reward. It's carrot and stick, both. It's, it's warning and reward. So what, what then is our response? Our response. Um, look, look at verse um, uh, 12. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Our response is twofold. Number one, keep me, God, please keep me far away from wrecking my life. Now there's two ways that he describes to do it. Did you see that? Verse 12, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Does anybody have anything inside of you that you can't necessarily see, but somebody close to you can? Like, you go looking in the mirror, you're like, I'm looking good. And they're like, hey, man, yeah, you want to don't do that. Don't wear those things. Don't put that down. You're, you can't necessarily see it, but other can. This is what the Bible says, is that um, there is a way that people can wreck their lives by letting hidden things remain hidden. You don't think somebody sees. You don't think it's hurting anybody else. You don't think somebody else knows. But there's a way to wreck your life with hidden things. 
Verse 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let not them have dominion over me. Presumptuous sins go like this. See if this is familiar to anybody. Hey, God, um, I know you said not to do this. I also know that you'll forgive me. So I'm going to do it just this one time. Anybody? Nobody's raising their hand. Nobody's nodding. Nobody's saying amen. Okay, just checking. Presumptuous sins. Um, Billy Graham had a prayer that he prayed. He described it in one of his uh, biographies. Billy Graham, when he prayed, part of his prayer time would be, Lord, before I would do anything that would dishonor you, and before I would destroy my family, please kill me. Does that sound like serious business? That's pretty serious. But that's straight out of Psalm 19 here. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. God, before I would do anything to really stick it in the ditch, before I would do anything that would dishonor you or destroy my family, just go ahead and take me out. That's one of the responses. Second response, look at verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, make me acceptable in your sight. Not just with the things that I say. When the words pop up here on the screen and I sing along, not just with that, but with something more than that, with my very heart. Let the words of my mouth and and the meditations of my heart, the things that are rolling around inside of me, let those, all of that, be acceptable in your sight. God, I want to give you all of those things, not just some of them. Um, All of those things, not just a portion of them. All of those things, not just the things that I want to say out loud. I want to give you all of those things. Let them all be acceptable in your sight. And then he describes them. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And this is where we'll close. Oh, Lord, my rock. A rock is the place where you stand when the storm comes. A rock is the place of solidity. It's the place where you put your feet and stuff starts going crazy around you and you're going to be there. It's the place where um, when you build your house, you want to build on the rock. When, you have, uh, when the waters start to rise, you want to be standing on a rock. You don't want to be standing on sand or something else. You want to be standing. And so our trust can be in God and what he has said to us, what he has spoken to us, and we can find him to be our rock. We can put our trust in him. Some of you are at that place. God, I'm looking for this. I really want to believe you for this. God, I think that you've promised me this, and I just want to have a place to stand. And he says, I want to be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock. For some of us, though, that's not what we're facing. We're facing, hey, God, you and I, it's been a while. I need some rescue. I need, some, I need somebody to throw me a line. Would somebody toss a preserver out because it feels like I'm going down here. Can you help? Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I'm here not on my word. I'm here on his word to say, if you're looking for hope today, you don't have to look any farther than the God of the universe who has come to you and wants to provide not only a solid place for you to stand, but a place for you to consistently place your hope. You not only have a rock that you can trust in, you have a redeemer in which you can place your hope. Because Jesus came. He is the one that we can trust in. He is the one. 
in whom we can put our hope. He is the one who came and he lived perfectly. And because he lived perfectly, he went to the cross and died sacrificially in our place and for our sin. He was the one who was acceptable to God. And when we put our faith in him, his death counts for the death that we owed. He paid for us. And when he rose victoriously, you and I, as a result of that, when we put our trust in him, when we look to him to be our hope, you and I can have a relationship with God that starts today and lasts forever. For some of us in here, man, we need to, to set our feet on a really solid place, a rock, a place where we can trust. And for some of us, we just need a word of hope. God, can you do this for me? And the answer is, he's already done it for you. Just look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. So if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to put your trust and put your hope in him. The Bible says that when we do, when we turn to him, he will forgive us of our sins and give us new life. And you can be born again today. You can become a citizen of his kingdom today. You can become a son or a daughter of God today by turning to him and putting your trust in him here in a few moments we'll sing and then i'll be outside for a few minutes you want to talk more about that i would love to do so if you're a follower of jesus in here listen some of you need to renew your commitment and just say god there's a solid place to stand and it's not on social media it's not in a political thing i need to stand somewhere solid you can stand on his word you want to have some hope it's not going to come from watching tv You can't binge watch yourself into hope. You can't dull the pain with that. Like, it always comes back. You can have real, genuine hope. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray together. Um, Father, I want to pray and ask God for um, folks here who are in that place where they need to know of your greatness and because you put your greatness on display because you set some things um, before them, they can say, you are the God where I'm going to place my trust. You are my rock. And for some, because they're far away, because of some of the choices they made, because of some of the baggage that they've had to walk in with, they... you. They need to say, oh, my rock and my redeemer, my redeemer, my hope is in you. So for the folks who, uh, that's, that's your story. By your Holy Spirit, Father, would you, would you settle it down into their souls? I mean, write down what it's, What it says about your word is that it pierces down to the very core of who we are. It's splitting joints and marrow. It's it's piercing right between soul and spirit. I don't know exactly how deep that is. That's pretty deep, though. So let your word get down that far in us, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And as we sing of your greatness, may that be the thing that frames our week. May that be the last thing that we think about as we get ready to walk out of here is how amazing, how amazing you really are. And may that change us. Thanks for your word. Continue to speak and minister. We pray in Jesus' name.
Amen and amen.